You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, off we go. Maiden Voyage here for Matt and Kevin. Matt Moscona of Locked On LSU. Kevin McGuire of Locked On Nittany Lions. You also hear him on Locked On Big Ten. And they actually trusted us to steer this ship on Thursdays. Kev, what's up, man? Well, you know, the bar has been set pretty high by our fellow colleagues here on these daily podcasts. So I'm looking to see if we're able to clear it. And hopefully that is the case. And hopefully we can set the bar up higher for whoever's coming on after us. So no shot. Bro. I'm looking forward to it, Matt. It's been a it's going to be a great opportunity to work with you, talk with you, and talk some college football. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm just hoping that when I try to clear the bar because I have no ups, I don't just face first into the bar and knock it down at least maybe one of those things where like where you get over and then like you clip it with your heel or something like that maybe that'll be my contact with the bar look I'm not exactly the most athletic person here and if anybody is going to stumble into this it would probably be me but hopefully that's not gonna be the case tonight well the best part about all this is that we're actually talking college football because there was so much unknown if we were going to have a season yet we've got nine games already in the books and upcoming this weekend We've got the first Power 5 or Power 3 games, I guess. Um, before we delve into that, which we will get into in the episode, I figured this would be a good opportunity for us to sort of introduce ourselves. So uh, lay it out there. Like, let let us all know. Let us get to know Kevin McGuire. Who are you? <laughs> Who am I? I get asked that on Twitter every now and then when I have a bad take. But <laughs> Who's this guy? He stinks. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, Matt, I am the host of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been covering college football for a long time. Um, people may have uh, come across my path by following me over on College Football Talk on NBCSports.com for a while. Unfortunately, that's no longer the case, but you can still find me uh, talking some college football. I do some contributions for Athlon Sports. Uh, got my own blog at No2MinuteWarning.com, and you know, people can find me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. But yeah, I've been a longtime college football fan. I'm in the Philadelphia area, so you know I kind of go against the green when it comes to sports fandom because I'm much more of a college football guy than I am an NFL guy. Uh, that's just because I was raised going to Penn State football games and learning uh, about the sport by watching Penn State football. So uh, obviously that passion has uh, evolved over the years, and now I'm trying to spread my wings a little bit more and talk some even more college football. At Penn State's program, it, it's very similar to LSU with respect to that you know, you're kind of in a, a bit of a rural area, but Pennsylvania's obviously a much bigger state, but you're talking about what is the lifeblood of college athletics in that state. I think that's obvious to say. It's the same here. I'm in Baton Rouge, and LSU is the pulse of the state. No matter what corner of the state you're in, you'll see purple and gold. You'll see LSU fans. I All due respect to, to Pitt, the Pitt Panthers, but I mean, I think everyone understands Penn State is the team in Pennsylvania. So, it's similar to LSU here in Baton Rouge. I host Locked on LSU. Also have a daily radio show uh, syndicated statewide here in Louisiana and a TV simulcast as well. So I, I basically talk a ton of LSU, talk Saints and Pelicans and stuff as well. We branch out on the radio show. But daily Locked on LSU, man, it's in Louisiana where we are inarguably the most corrupt political state in the country where <laughs> our last three insurance commissioners have all gone to federal prison. Uh Politics and and LSU athletics are so unmistakably interwoven that it is always fascinating. Like LSU today announced their capacity for for Tiger Stadium, and or on Wednesday they announced their capacity for Tiger Stadium. And the first quote wasn't from Ed Ogeron; it wasn't from the athletics director. 
it was from Governor John Bell Edwards. Like in the LSU release, the governor had the first quote about capacity in Tiger Stadium. So uh, it's never dull covering LSU, but pumped to be doing the lot on college football. I'm a, just a gigantic college football fan. So to be able to talk about everything beyond just our borders here in Louisiana or the SEC footprint is uh, is really pretty cool. So I, you know, I wanted to ask as we kind of start here, from your perspective and my perspective, the biggest stories for the teams or leagues we cover. So and we're going to branch out, talk a ton of college football, but you're obviously in Big Ten country, and that's critically important here because the Big Ten's not playing. Yeah, and I think there's still a sense of optimism, depending on who you ask, that we may eventually see the Big Ten get involved with this this season. I don't know. I've been on record saying that I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, but you just mentioned, you know, the the, the politics and you know the crossing paths of sports. It's never been more dynamic than it is right now, especially around the Big Ten. We just had a bunch of politicians from within the the Big Ten states write that letter to the Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren. And today, or as we're recording this on Wednesday, the uh, Big Ten comes out with a statement saying, that's a nice statement. We generally agree. We would like to get playing football at some point in time, but there's no timelines here. So, uh, you know, depending on who you ask, who knows what's going to happen. But, yeah, it is kind of weird going into this fall season, knowing that the Big Ten's not playing, the Pac-12's not playing, obviously the MAC and the Mountain West and a couple other programs as well, Independence. Uh, we're all just kind of sitting here on the sidelines, uh, kind of twiddling our thumbs, hoping that maybe we'll be able to join the party. But uh, in the meantime, there are some college football games that are going to be going on. So it's uh, something that's going to keep us busy. Hey, you said you're optimistic. What do you think is realistic for the Big Ten? Like, is an October start realistic? Is a November start plausible? Is it more likely they just don't play a season at all? If you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have said, you know, I don't think there's any way we're going to see Big Ten football until fall 2021 because I, I just kind of rule out the idea of playing yeah. in the spring. I don't think that that's going to oh, be feasible. I completely agree. That's, yeah. But and why would you even jeopardize fall of 2021 by playing a season into the spring? I, I understand the, the financial incentive to wanting to play football almost at any cost, you know, for lack of a better phrase, but I, I just don't think logistically it's something that you can do. You know, certainly when you're already talking about so much about the health of these players, you know, asking them to go out and play whatever number of games in the spring and then coming around and potentially playing again in the fall just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but if you, you know, over the last week or so, we've, we're starting to see some developments, you know, we're getting more positive news about uh, testing, for the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, and you know the, the, the steps that you can take to get back on the field in some capacity. So I think that there is a sense that it might be possible. Uh, I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 will kind of go hand in hand with whatever that decision is going to be. But I do think there are some positive movements. I just don't know at, at this point in time how you're going to be able to put it together and get a season together you know, in a couple weeks' notice or whatever the case may be. Yeah, You know what's interesting is just like, the complete contrast is what's happened in the SEC. So, like, the Big Ten storyline obviously has been that they're not playing. Here, you know, locally where you know, where I cover LSU, the opt-outs have obviously been, you know, defending champs, losing so much. What do you do for an encore is the massive storyline here. And I think, Kevin, that, that – I mean, and granted, sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees, and I'm very close to it, but I think that is one of the biggest storylines in all of college football. When – when LSU had the type of season it did, which went from absolutely a, a quarterback and offensive wasteland for a decade to literally the greatest offensive season statistically ever, no team in the history of college football has scored more points than the 2019 LSU Tigers, which is mind-blowing to think. It's so mind-blowing that LSU found an offense, the greatest offense ever, and the whole world two months later went to hell. Like, it's it's... 
it's insane. But, you know, we, we see every year Bama and Clemson and Oklahoma and Ohio State lose a ton of players to the NFL. But every year they're all in the preseason top five, and the expectation is that they're going to be there every year because they reload. And I think one of the interesting things this year in college football, particularly with LSU, is are they in that category? Like, can you lose 14 NFL draft picks, five first-rounders, 20 guys to NFL rosters, then have Jamar Chase and Tyler Shelvin opt out, and a half dozen other guys that have transferred? Like, you have your typical, you know, May-June transfers. Like, LSU's got 70 scholarship players in their roster right now. 70. I mean, they're paper thin, but it's like everyone they've recruited is four and five stars. Like, I'm not going to bore anybody with names, but I would literally put LSU's first 22 against anybody that's going to play college football this year. You may not know all their names, but they're incredibly talented. They're not deep, but what can they do as an encore? Like, will the offense still churn? If it does, then I think everyone sort of looks at them and says, okay, that's kind of like Oklahoma. You can... Your, your quarterback can win a Heisman, be the first overall pick, but the next guy's just expected to do the same. I think that's the, the giant question for LSU this year. Yeah, and that was going to be my biggest question about LSU if we were under normal circumstances. If this was a regular season, everybody is playing, nobody is opting out. You know, I think just given the turnover that we've seen with LSU losing you know, Joe Burrow, some coaching staff changes here and there, um, there's a lot of transition for a program that is coming off of it as high as it can ever come. And that's not to suggest that LSU is going to be bad by any stretch of the imagination. They're still going to be a very good program in, in, into the 2020 season, regardless of what's happening. But it, there are some serious questions that LSU is not going to be able to answer until we're able to see them on the field. And we'll see them on the field two weeks from Saturday. In the meantime, we have games in the Power Five this weekend, which we will preview the biggest games coming up a bit later in the show. It is the Locked on College Football Podcast. I'm Matt. He's Kevin. Glad to have you with us. We're brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. I'm not a handyman. I'm not a do-it-yourselfer. But when I go to the website, I think, my God, if if I were a guy that tinkered, where else would you need to go? Like You could literally... Kevin, you can literally go to Rock Auto, pick whatever make. I mean, I've never even heard of Apollo. Whatever that is, Apollo is a vehicle that they made in the 1960s. You can go click a 1963 Apollo GT and get the brake and wheel hub parts. Like, how in the hell do they even find all this stuff? It's astonishing, but it's Rock Auto. It's great because I needed a headlight just recently, the last couple of weeks. So I went to rockauto.com. I typed in the make and model of my car, and I suggest you do the same. It's going to bring up the entire catalog of everything they have available for your car or truck. And they're going to give you the best prices available, too. I mean, they've been doing this for a long time as a family business. They know how to satisfy their online customers. And they even have that contactless delivery. That's all the rage these days, right, Matt? So I, I think anybody who's in need of anything for their car or truck, go to rockauto.com right now. Insert your make and model see all the parts available for you, and then don't forget to write in Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. RockAuto.com, reliably low prices, amazing selection, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Type in Locked On at checkout. So nine college football games are in the books to start the season. Kevin, the biggest talking point seems to be the sloppy play, especially after what we saw from Navy. Was that your biggest takeaway from the opening weekend of college football? 
Absolutely. I think of all the games that I watched, I watched a handful of them. And it seemed like everyone I was watching, one team was certainly well prepared for the start of their season. The other team was not. And I think that that goes to say that, you know, every, every program is dealing with the same overall issue going into the season, but everybody has a different uh, situation that they're specifically working through. Everybody's going through practices differently. Everyone's going through their workouts. Some schools had very minimal spring practices way back when. Uh, so this whole year, the whole offseason regimen has really been thrown for a loop uh, everywhere you look. And that was certainly on full display from Navy, a, a program that is yeah. very well coached, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that's why it was even more stunning. I think Ken Numadololo certainly is uh, you know, realizing that maybe he put his team at a disadvantage by not having those full contact practices. And by the way, uh, they've gone to full contact practices. Yeah, I, <laughs> so that's, that's not going to happen again. That's got to be the most, of all of the, the talking points, when I heard, Ken Niamatololo say that, that, that he was, they were blocking bags and tackling donuts. I, it's my, that would be akin to a major league hitter doing nothing but soft toss and then going and facing live pitching in a game. It's just, how can you possibly have an expectation to have success? And uh, even for a coach's success, as you said, as successful as he's been at Navy, to, to think that that could actually work has put everybody so much outside of their comfort zone. You know, I don't know how much you pay attention to, to betting lines and point spreads. Like, I always just kind of keep an eye on it. The amazing thing is that nine games in the opening weekend, seven of the nine didn't come within a, a touchdown of the spread either way. I mean, they don't build a lot of pretty buildings in the desert because they're wrong. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. And absolutely. even even the sharps, like the smartest odds makers in the world, had were were dead wrong for the opening weekend in college football. Which means, and I, I'm not big in hyperbole, but if if you were expecting this to be the most unpredictable season ever, you're you're probably right. Now, I think when we get to the end of the season, the usual suspects are going to be there because it's just the way that the structure's set up. But what may transpire till we get there? I really don't think anybody knows. No, and I think that's one of the, like I said, it's one of the biggest takeaways, how much sloppy play there was. And there's there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think that that's going to be a trend that's going to continue this upcoming week and week two, because we're going to start to see some more schools get on the field for the first time. And, you know, how much have they been practicing? What, what kind of practices have they been able to put in? Uh, so, again, I don't know if we'll necessarily see the exact same result of uh, BYU Navy four different times this weekend, but it's certainly going to be out there. And as more teams get on the field for the first time, whenever that may be, I would not be surprised if things look a little sloppy. And I think you're right. I think as the season goes on, things will iron itself out a little bit. The teams will go through their regular practices. They're going to improve. I don't think Navy is going to lose by 52 points again this <laughs> season. I'm just going on record saying that right now. So I had two big takeaways. One, Navy is the obvious one because nobody expected that, that, that landslide of victory. The other one was actually Army, because while I don't think Army is going to be a title contender, I think Army is the type of team, and mad respect to Army for putting together their season. When you look at that schedule, by the way, Army's playing BYU in two weeks. So oh, I know. Like, number one versus number two, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be a lot of fun. But I look at Army's schedule, and I go, where's the loss? They play Louisiana Monroe, BYU, Cincinnati. Um, Abilene Christian Citadel, UTSA, Mercer, they play Air Force, Tulane, Georgia Southern, and Navy. Like, where's the loss? I mean, where where's the game where you just say, yeah, they're not going to win that one? I mean, I, I don't 
Army, I think, has a legit chance. I mean, I, and uh, we'll we'll rewind this back in, in eight weeks, and we'll say Moscone, <laughs> you're a moron. They'll you know they'll they'll be four and four. But I, I don't see any game where I just categorically say, yeah, they can't win that game. Army's got a great chance to have a special season. They absolutely do, and you know that's the thing. There's so many wild card factors with this season. And let me just give praise to a lot of these athletic directors and everybody who that's had to scramble to put together yeah. any kind of a schedule, especially these independent programs like BYU. Their schedule was shredded. Uh, same thing for Army. So you know, I got to give a lot of props for you know being committed to putting out a football product and being able to manage to find some kind of schedule. I, I Like you said, you ran through Army's schedule. Yeah, they're playing a bunch of FCS teams, but you know what? If you're ready to play those games and you want to play them, I, I'm not going to stop you. You know how you fix that? Join a freaking conference. You don't have to worry uh, <laughs> about putting together a schedule. <laughs> That's we, what Notre Dame did. Dude, another topic for another day. Yeah, I, okay. but, but yes, we, we will absolutely get there. By the way, I said there were two things. Real quick, the other thing, um, Mar- uh, Marshall, I – this this happens seemingly every year with Doc Holliday's Marshall teams at the beginning of the season. That offense just absolutely clicks. They played Eastern Kentucky, which was an overmatched team, but Marshall's got a freshman quarterback named Grant Wells. He threw for 307 yards and four touchdowns in the opener uh, against Eastern Kentucky. Ju- just a guy to keep an eye on who may be one of those prospects who's kind of on the come in college football. So, uh, I'm not. I'm not touting Marshall. They inevitably every year Marshall has big offensive numbers early, and they always regress. But he was impressive. A young guy worth watching. And if you're going to keep track of that group of five race, Marshall's absolutely going to be a team just to keep an eye on. Because if we're still going to have that New Year's Six at the end of the year and a spot's out there for the group of five uh, champion, the highest ranked group of five champion, we'll keep an eye on them for sure. That was week one. Let's look ahead to this coming weekend. Week two in college football will highlight some of the biggest matches here on the Locked On College Football podcast presented by Rock Auto. All right, wrapping up our maiden voyage, Matt and Kevin here on the Locked On College Football podcast. Week two is staring us in the face. We actually thought we were going to have a game on Friday, Kev, but SMU at TCU got postponed uh, because of a COVID outbreak. I, we're we're probably going to have to get used to that a little bit. Um, but I, one of the things that I've shared a lot on my show, I don't know if you all have talked about it much, but I think one of the most underrated storylines in college football that no one is talking about is that the NCAA has recommended that conferences follow CDC testing guidelines, which is if you test positive for COVID-19, you don't have to test again for three months unless if you're symptomatic. So while we're seeing this wave which was, I think, expected as students return to campus, the general population with football players. As we've seen this in these spikes, I, I don't think anybody wants to get COVID-19. I mean, let me be clear about that. But I think it's also worth mentioning it's kind of better if you get it now and you sort of get it out of the way so you don't have major disruptions as you get into October and November, provided your players are asymptomatic. Well, that's one of the big reasons why I think some of these conferences decided to push back the start of their season. Certainly, that was the case with the SEC not starting for another couple of weeks. 100% why the SEC moved to September 26th. They knew there would be a spike in cases once the general student population got back on campus. They said, let the spike happen, get through it, then start the season. 
And, you know, obviously the ACC and the Big 12, they had a different strategy where they, they got, they're going to get started this week, but they have some flexibility with the schedule. And we're certainly already seeing that with the Big 12. You know, they already had to have a couple teams reschedule games, push back games, and we haven't even started playing those games yet. So I, I think you know, that was one of the reasons why a lot of people around the Big 10 certainly were a little bit furious if the ACC and the Big 12 can uh, allow for you know, flexibility like the Big Ten schedule originally did when they revised it. You know, why are they not moving forward and at least trying? So, you know, I, I don't know what the right answer here is. I don't know if there's a perfect solution here. Obviously, everybody has a different strategy. I'm just hoping that it all works out. Well, we do have football tonight. You've got UAB at Miami on the ACC network. Manny Diaz, year two, disappointing year one. UAB's already played a game this season. How do you think it goes? Yeah, I, I really like where Miami is going to be heading. Derek King, Houston transfer, uh, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to get Miami's offense to finally get rejuvenated a little bit. I do worry about UAB, though. I mean, that is a that is a plucky team. <laughs> and that, <laughs> already having a game under their belt, uh, certainly that goes back to what we were saying earlier. There's a lot of sloppy play early on. UAB already knocking the rust off a little bit against Central Arkansas last week. I look to see them give Miami a good fight. I do think Miami wins this game, though. Gets the year two of Manny Diaz era underway with a win. Miami's a two-touchdown favorite, I agree. Also, so Saturday morning, you got the noon Eastern kickoff, Syracuse at North Carolina. It's, it is fun, though, just to dive right into conference matchups. I mean, we got to see Sam Howell at North Carolina a year ago sort of dazzle as a freshman, now into his sophomore year under Mac Brown there at North Carolina. Amazingly, the Tar Heels are a three-touchdown favorite. They're a 22.5-point favorite over Syracuse in this ballgame. Yeah, it's probably a little bit too big of a spread Feels for inflated, my liking yeah. because, uh, again, who knows how sloppy North Carolina may end up being. But I do really like North Carolina this year. I, I'm not saying they're Clemson or they're going to beat Clemson, but they don't play Clemson until potentially the <laughs> ACC championship game. So I, I think they get the season off on the right foot. I really like what Mac Brown has done with his program. I do think Dino Babers is going to have Syracuse ready to bounce back a little bit this season. They had a real tough year last year, but I think they're going to be a little bit more consistent. I just don't think that they're going to be able to score enough points to keep up with this North Carolina offense. Kevin, we talked about Army. They're a three-touchdown favorite over ULM this weekend. I'm not trying to tell you that ULM's any great shakes, but you don't typically see Army as a three-touchdown favorite. That's that schedule might play out very nicely for Army. Uh, 1.30 Central, 12.30, or excuse me, a 2.30 East. Uh, you got another ACC matchup, strange to say it, but an ACC matchup with Notre Dame against Duke. Another giant storyline is Notre Dame could, could win the ACC this year. Like, they could be the ACC's conference champion if they're able to make it through, and Notre Dame at home against Duke, a big three-touchdown favorite in that game. I think with Ian Book back, under center for a senior year, you got to like Notre Dame in this matchup. I do, I, and I really like Notre Dame this year. I think their their schedule is um, mostly favorable. Obviously, aside from playing Clemson, but they're going to play Clemson at home later on. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that game when that comes around. But yeah, I look to I look to see Notre Dame get off on a really strong foot. You know, certainly I really like where their offense is. And, you know, I don't think they're anything particularly flashy, but they're going to get the job done. And I think that's what you're going to expect out of being both Notre Dame this year. Mike Norvell era at Florida State begins. They're a home favorite against Georgia Tech. What do we expect from from Florida State and Mike Norvell? Like, can he carry over the success from Memphis to Tallahassee and would it become a really, really toxic situation? He can, but I don't know how quickly it's going to happen. 
fortunately, he's taken on a, a pretty favorable opponent for him yeah. to get started there. I, I, I really like Mike Norvell. I think he did a tremendous job of Memphis. And I think as the season goes along, you're going to start to see Florida State play that same kind of up-tempo offense that worked for him so well at Memphis. Uh, I don't see any reason why Florida State can't thrive in that kind of uh, system. And I do think that they're certainly going to have some talent there. I know it's been a couple lean years for Florida State. They're not the Florida State of old, but you know they still have some talent that they can work with. So I think Mike Norvell and his staff are going to do a pretty good job there. I think the, they get the win, by the way. The only th- well, the, the thing I remember most about Jeff Collins' debut season at Georgia Tech is they opened up like on a Thursday night, got bludgeoned. But do you remember like the players were doing like they had weights on the field? They were doing like split squats on the field pregame. It's like what the hell? Like literally, never at any level of football seeing guys fifteen minutes before kickoff doing like power cleans and split and split squats on the field, but. I, I will say this about Jeff Collins. Obviously, he doesn't have the wins yet, but I really like the energy he brings to his program. I saw it with Temple during his brief time with the Temple Owls, and I think he's doing a lot of really good things with Georgia Tech. It's just going to take a while for that to really come together where you're starting to see that production in the win total. I like Georgia Tech's future with Jeff Collins. I don't like them against Florida State, though. Did, did they do workouts on the field at Temple? Uh, you know what? They I don't know if they did workouts, but they did get to write their Twitter handles on a dry erase board on the sideline when they made a big play. So that was kind of cool. You know, I, I just think that he has he has a good connection with his players and he understands you know what drives them. So if, if that works out for Georgia Tech, so be it. Couple of night games, um, seven o'clock in the east, six o'clock central Oklahoma. We'll get to see the Spencer Rattler era against Missouri State. The Sooners about a 40 and a half point favorite. No need to spend any time there. Uh, Clemson is on the road against Wake Forest. Uh, in their opener, they're a, a five-touchdown favorite in that ball game as well. I, I mean, we would expect Clemson just to roll uh, opening week, yes? Yes. Um, as much as I would love to see Wake Forest put up a fight, I just don't see it happening. And uh, this is going to be a recurring theme as we talk about the ACC every week. Uh, Clemson is going to be a pretty heavy favorite yeah. from start to finish this year, except for a couple uh, notable games, like that Notre Dame game later on. But Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, uh, obviously looking to uh, rebound. From their one-game losing streak, I, I don't need to remind you, but <laughs> I, I do think that Clemson's going to be ready to start playing some football again. I was there, and it was a magnificent sight to behold. Uh, if you were in purple and gold, uh, another massively interesting story is going to be the Texas Longhorns. Sam Ellinger's back for his senior year. This is Tom Herman's fourth team. Like this feels very much like with a veteran roster. If you were ever going to go clip Oklahoma, this is your shot to do it can't like they're they'll handle utep no problem are you a believer in texas this year in fact of getting to the big 12 championship game yeah absolutely and you know texas under tom herman has beaten oklahoma so they know that they can do that uh just gotta be able to do it twice apparently uh and i think that's going to be the the big question mark can they win the biggest one at the end of the year and i i think that they're heading in the right direction i think uh this is certainly an important year for tom herman to prove that he is worth uh, what he's getting paid there, and they're going to expect some results, and I don't think that that's unfair. So I was a huge proponent of LSU hiring Tom Herman. Um, I LSU wanted him; they were very bullish on him, regardless of what anybody says. And they were they had a deal done with Tom Herman that fell apart at the at the last hour. Um, Worked and, out okay, right? And it's oh, <laughs> listen, <laughs> I, I've had to wear that. Of late, I mean, trust me, early on in the Coach O days in Baton Rouge, it wasn't looking so hot. They lost to Troy. They get blown out by Mississippi State. But Ed, Ed is – I mean, look, they just had the greatest season in the history of college football. I mean, it's uh, – yeah, it's worked out, and I will happily wear that one. Okay, I was – Look, you're not the only one that was wrong about that either, by the, the way. You the, know, I'm, I'm staying there right there by your side there. The, the difference is 
I was one of the maybe the only person in Baton Rouge who actually had the uh, the chutzpah to go on air and say it, while everybody would use uh, anonymous Twitter handles and say the same thing. But hey, look, I you know strikes and gutters, but it's it's certainly worked out. But my my point with Herman is, I still think he's a a fantastic offensive mind. He's got a veteran quarterback, which in a year where there's going to be so much uncertainty because of limited practice time and reps, things like that having veteran players at leadership positions like that is even more critical. I do think Texas wins the Big 12 this year. I think Texas beats Oklahoma and wins the Big 12. I'll go on and say it. I think it's it has to be the year for Texas. You got Samuel Cosme there at left tackle to protect uh, Sam Ellinger's blind side. I I think they've got three really good running backs. You know, LSU played in Austin last year. We got to see all of them. I think they're poised. I think this is the year that Texas actually does win the Big 12 and beats Oklahoma. So I'll, I'll go on a limb and say it, and we'll, we'll rewind this in 10 weeks, and y'all will laugh at me again. I, I will say one of the games that I was really looking forward to this season that we're not going to get a chance to see is the Texas-LSU uh, back end of that home-to-home home series. So Dagger hopefully at some point, hopefully someday that, that game can be rescheduled. But, you know, uh, it's just uh, one of the many losses in non-conference play we're missing out on this year. Listen, we're all taking uh, – collectively, everybody's losing a ton here, right? I mean, the, mm-hmm. the players, many of them that are losing their season are key games, fans that aren't going to get to go. Even bands, cheerleaders, pep squads, dancers, like everybody that puts so much into it that are, are losing a season or parts of a season, it, it sucks. There's no other way around it. But if in all of this compromise we still get some sort of college football season – I mean, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take no fans or limited capacity, piped-in noise or whatever it may take just to be able to see the game that we all love, which is why you and I are doing the show and why you right now are listening to the show because you love college football like we do. So we're thrilled to be watching games this weekend, and we're thrilled to be back with you again uh, next Thursday and every Thursday throughout the college football season. It's fun, Kevin. We'll do it again next week, man. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. It is the Locked On College Football Podcast for Kevin. I'm Matt, brought to you by Rock Auto, rockauto.com. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKED ON at checkout. We'll see you next week for Locked On College Football.